0: All right, I'm here with Karis. Yeah, Shuler. Hello. At the (laughs) Celluloid Ashram. Sorry, we're at the world famous Chinese theater.
1: The world famous Chinese theater.
0: (laughs) After we've gotten done seeing Sam, Sam's brilliant Super Eight film.
1: It was a real experience being here. We're really, really pleased about it. Yeah.
0: It is incredible that they're this young and the maturity of the films that we saw based on the fact that they say dances with kids is surprising to me because I'm like, wow, that's amazing. And the end, end was Sam's film, which was the capper to everything, and that just brought it all together because it was, by my opinion, the most, the most mature film on the screen, I would think.
1: Oh, that's really that's kind. I'm sure. You have to say that again when he uh when he's around.
0: <laughs> I will compliment him profusely for, over yeah, it. Exactly. So, uh yeah, we're just doing the podcast right now. We just started, you
1: know, talking to each
0: other. <laughs> just recording and, my podcast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hang out. <laughs> so, uh you were talking about uh, we were talking about the process of the Super 8 um the process that you guys did because it was actually hand processed. Uh, can you walk us through that process that you?
1: Oh God! Well, I have to admit, um, I did not have anything to do with the development. That was um, our dop mavanemotzayin. He was the one who did the actual development on that. So I'm not going to walk anybody through that because I'll just say something stupid. But um, after that, we knew that we wanted it. It's
0: perfectly fine. <laughs>
1: we wanted it to be um, to look degraded, which is one of the reasons, not definitely not the only reason, but one of the reasons that we decided to really do it on film and um, not digitally. And so with the hand processing, we didn't um, dry it completely. We left a whole bunch of water spots and all sorts of other stuff on it there. It adds
0: so much to the film. It adds a yeah. lot to the movie. Yeah. Um, where did you guys get the chemicals?
1: Um, well, that was just one of the things that we had around the lab it's one of you know it's strange we've got a, an entire huge lab in in germany and uh so we just were able to get the chemicals that we needed to do the processing which was great
0: it's typically really bizarre because when when we do, when usually when people process motion picture film they forget the remjet jet when we walk yes so i don't <laughs> but when i was looking at the film that you guys did I didn't see any of that. It was actually, surprisingly, you stopped to even think that that's, for whatever reason, the perfect balance of the content, which the movie is called Distortion. Mm. Is there a place that people can actually watch it?
1: Um, there will be. We've had to keep it off the internet so far because uh, it needed to be at least a West Coast premiere. Okay. But um, we're thinking we'll probably put it back up on the YouTube channel um, pretty soon. So then I can give you a link to that.
0: I will, I will also tell the listeners that you guys are, are probably came the furthest to screen something.
1: And
0: welcome, Sam, <laughs> Sam the filmmaker.
1: We started hey. without you.
2: I I didn't know you guys had already started. Sorry, it's quite all right.
1: Uh, Can we just guys, take like, and for a little yeah. um, on the on the green yeah. carpet? Yeah. I sure. Have to, Let's go, go for a moment. No problem. So and then I will. Wrote- return him, and then my, I might uh, to, uh, you know, oh, a little, little. As well. I guess it's, it's No problem. Just no problem.
0: Oh. Okay, so <laughs> what's the what's the green carpet?
1: The green carpet. That's, you know, if you want to go in afterwards and, and make it red, you can.
0: Ah, I see. <laughs> we'll color correct that. Exactly. So the whole process of the, uh, you processed it, then the drying process. Yes. Yeah, this is nuts, by the <laughs> way. I don't even know how How big of a drum did you guys put the actual film in? Because you did, how many rolls did you shoot? This is all Super 8.
1: Yeah, we actually, we only shot, um, I think five cassettes in total, um, for the, yeah. So it was, yeah, I mean, it was really just, uh, yeah, it was pretty much one-to-one. Um, I think we only needed to do three shots, um, more than one take. So, um... That was, that was pretty good. Good planning on our part. Uh, <laughs> but then we took, uh, each individual cassette and, uh, yeah, hand developed them. And then we, we built our own little drying rack, which was more of a closed rack kind of thing that you could rotate. And we put it on there and, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we were hoping to get some water spotting, which we did. And, um, yeah. And then I was, uh, the interesting thing about scanning was that we knew we also wanted to get some scratching on it and so we thought this is a perfect time to try out the infamous wolverine scanner so um we ordered one of those and we, infamous <laughs> the infamous wolverine scanner
0: <laughs> where do you find these things
1: on the internet so you know we ordered one of those and we put um two of the sets of of film through it and we noticed, yes, there is scratching. And so we packed it up and we sent it back, but then we had to, you know, scratch rolls. So that was perfect. That was what we wanted. And then we sent it off to another firm to be professionally scanned after that.
0: Okay. (laughs) And surprisingly, okay, so when they got the rolls themselves, did they question why this was the way it was?
1: (laughs) Um, No. Fortunately, we had the chance to explain that process to them. And,
0: And what did they say to that? like?
1: Um, well, I think they understood that it was in support of the theme of the film that it was all supposed to be everything was rusted and kind of falling to pieces it's a little bit post apocalyptic and so then you had all the spotting and the scratches and it just was supposed to thematically support the film yeah
0: yeah, it almost felt um man it's it's a this has not been done before, which is what impressed me about it and every time I see you i'm always like Dude, it's going to win. It's going to, it's perfect because it almost melts the symmetrical, sterile kind of composition of of Kubrick with this, um, like a found footage. Like if you saw like something like Blair Witch or something like that, where it's really creepy because you're either looking in the future, far in the future, or you're looking in the past, right? Because you're like, oh my God, this is so creepy that we're kind of, the content itself is very mature. Is that something that Sam came up with?
1: Yeah. That's the one thing that Sam is absolutely—he has a huge notebook full of ideas, and they are all very original, very detailed. He's really into world building and um, and storytelling and story arcs, and uh, it's really what he spends all of his time thinking about when somebody's not forcing him to do math. You know,
0: that's uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible. I mean, that's uh, it's such a mature film. Like, I can't wrap my brain around the fact that he's only seventeen. Mm-hmm because it's like the content itself is about our society and it's universal it's not just you know you you shot this in Germany but this is America this is Taiwan my home country Uh, this is anywhere you can actually possibly how did he I mean I can't even see how he could see that far ahead what's the where's this come from I mean
1: well, it was interesting because the initial idea actually came from a video game. Uh, we become what we behold, and it's like a little...
0: That's a video game? That's Yeah, <laughs> it's
1: a video game. And, you know, it's not like a video game that you play. It's not like a first-person shooter or okay. whatever. It's it's basically you watch it. It's like a little video, but it's, it's a game. And um, it has sort of the same theme as the movie does in that... Um, the, the characters' little stick figures on, on a screen or in, uh, on, in a little... It's really just a white box with some stick figures, and there's a screen in the middle and the screen keeps influencing the stick figures to do more and more horrible things. Yeah, and so Sam's original idea was to put all of these masked figures in a black void, and we did not have the lighting and (laughs) all that kind of thing to control that, so um, then we started. Yeah, what's with the train
0: station? (laughs)
1: Yeah, well, we started thinking, okay, if we're not gonna be able to put this in a void, what would be a good location? And um, we just started, Kind of thinking around to places that we had seen, and there is this old, old train station with a lot of um, retired locomotives and things that were all quite rusty. And um, it seemed like, wow, there's a lot of really cool lines here, and it definitely has this sort of post-apocalyptic feel to it. So then um, we got permission to film film there.
0: That was a brilliant. I, I I can't even. I I'm so glad you didn't do it in a void, because society. You're you're basing it in a society where you can see. Societies left to crumble, like or rot or decay or whatever it is that it almost felt. um, And then you replay the footage over and over again. You start to uh, pinpoint the ideas of like the the um, if we don't stop, you know, watching media that makes us do certain things towards each other that are hateful or angry. Then you start to see how you know it's it's gray. You guys picked the perfect time of shooting because it's really gray and dark. That's Germany. It's it, 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 like
1: Germany all the time. Is it? Really, <laughs> oh, that's
0: that's horrible. Yes,
1: <laughs> but it was great for like this horrible gray feeling. But that's really what it's like in Germany for
0: most of the winter. So do you? I mean, you guys are a filmmaking family. That's the thing. Cause, uh, your husband is a photographer slash, um, filmmaker, analog, uh, photographer slash filmmaker, um, is, and you guys are going to shoot most of your projects, if not all on film from this point?
1: Um, that's a plan right now. That's really what Sam is into, um. I've definitely offered to, you know, get him some digital equipment and say, hey, I think you probably need to look at digital if you want to go to film school and all this kind of thing. And at the moment, he's just really not that interested. He loves the film aesthetic. And uh, we just, we haven't quite wrapped on it, but we did the majority of filming on a 16 millimeter project a couple of weeks ago. And it's just the aesthetic that he he really loves. And um, he's not really interested in being a cameraman but uh yeah he just loves working with it
0: so we were just talking about uh, you working with on uh, analog 16mm film is that um is that something that uh, the aesthetic of it is uh something that you you enjoy a lot
2: yeah uh the lo- the thing i mean there are a bunch of things i love with analog film in general and especially 16mm oh
0: uh, sorry to interrupt this is sam punta our filmmaker in <laughs> brilliant brilliant movie man I, I can't believe you're only 17, because that movie, as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh my god, that looks like it was made by <laughs> first person my age. But sorry, go ahead.
2: Uh, well, thank you so much for the compliment and also the introduction. Uh, I just came up here, so I'm not exactly sure what you guys were talking about, but as far as 16mm goes, uh, I, I, I think for me it's the perfect balance, where it's it's more grainy than the 35 millimeter, mm-hmm. which I think definitely has a very certain charm to it, especially if the film idea and the story fits to it. But it's also finer grained than like super eight, for example, which was my last film, uh, which I also like. Cause so I think, I mean, it's just a personal preference, but I prefer it's a little finer grain than uh super eight, generally speaking. And also I just love the colors.
0: That's incredible that you've already seen this. Cause I was talking to your mom about this. Like, um, it's you. You saw the difference between what shooting on digital versus uh, versus film almost immediately. How how is it that no one else sees this? Is it? I mean, yeah. What is that?
2: Well, the funny thing is, I needed to sort of be kicked into the analog world before I fell in love with it. Because uh, I'll admit, the first time I used analog film was mainly just as a way of getting my uh, stepfather, who's a big analog fi- fan, to work on my first film, and I was thinking ah, uh, you know what, it can't hurt. And then afterwards I saw it and I was like, holy shit, I want to make the rest of my films on this stuff. It's so good.
0: <laughs> I love that. I love it, man. Like You are you are exactly what we need because your age group is the one that's going to keep this uh, uh, alive. And uh, it's just great that you're shooting on film. When you get the results back from every time you see uh, your dailies, like you haven't seen the dailies of this uh, this." short that you're making again this film noir short right uh you're excited to see it
2: uh i am definitely incredibly excited to see it i mean there's a quote from uh martin scorsese that i think is very true which is that if the first rough cut of your film doesn't break your heart there's something wrong uh but but despite that fact and how true it is i think you know it's always great to just see the footage even before it's been edited it's like Oh yeah, that's exactly what I pictured. Or that's not what I pictured, but we can still work with it. Or that's not what I pictured. Oh shit, we're going to have to come up with something else. <laughs>
0: that's such a that's such a mature attitude because, like you said, most people as soon as they see their uh, footage, they don't know if they failed or not. And it's funny that when you see it, you're like, you can separate yourself from that and actually create something. Uh, specifically, because somebody like Kubrick is very meticulous with hundred takes.
2: Versus- Twenty-seven.
0: 127. I guess I do know
2: that number by heart. <laughs> That's the kind of Kubrick fan I am.
0: <laughs> right? So I was just telling your mom, too, like, I, I love that the fact is you married on this last one for um, Distortion. You married the, uh, the, the symmetrical framing of a Kubrick movie, but you also did almost something like a found footage thing where you found, like, almost uh, a Blair Witch Project or something like that, where it almost looks like you can see the future or the past because it's really kind of... It, it, I mean, where do you, where were you inspired by for this uh, project? Uh,
2: for this one specifically,
0: I mean, of course... Kubrick. She said it was a video game, but go ahead. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, I was about to come to that, but uh, of course, as far as aesthetics goes, Kubrick and Hitchcock are almost always my big inspirations. Oh, and Satoshi Kon, a Japanese filmmaker who is absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Check his stuff out. Uh, he doesn't make his stuff on analog, though. He died a while ago. But long story. Um... Yeah, of course, as you were saying, that symmetry is something I've been a huge fan of since the the very first time I watched uh, 2001, which was when I was actually too young to watch 2001. (laughs) Uh, But uh, as far as the graininess, that was just sort of fitting to the theme of the distortion. So, like, the, the symmetry is something you'll find in almost every one of my films, with a couple exceptions. I mean, I've only made two. But this one I'm making now doesn't have quite as much of it. Uh, the uh, distorted parts uh, that you see in the hand-developed Super 8 is more specific to this one project. But uh, as you're saying, one of the big inspirations for uh, finding a good way to express the themes I was trying to express came from a video game that I watched a playthrough of uh, called We Become What We Behold, which is also a very similar concept... Uh, but executed differently. It also includes a TV screen and, uh, you know, strange other characters. But, uh, I essentially saw that and said, what if I took that and Samified it with my own, you know, inspirations and stuff I like?
0: What was it like seeing your movie up on the big screen?
2: It was absolutely incredible. Uh... So far, there's only one time that I've seen one of my films on a screen that big. And it was at the uh, German uh, National Youth Film Festival. Um, But even there, it was a drive-in thing because of COVID. So I've never gotten to experience just being that up close. Of course, with the sound, too, because we paid a lot of attention to the sound on this film. Uh, So having just, you know, especially those lower tones just surround you... Uh, seeing that last frame of the movie when the character stares into your soul uh, on the big screen, that was absolutely amazing.
0: Sam, how are you 17, man? You're like my age. <laughs> you 17 going on 46. Uh, and we are at the world-famous Chinese theater seeing this. How is that? Uh, sit with you, because this is... We're at the world-famous Chinese theater seeing this.
2: Uh, well, the best way I can express the way I'm feeling is, <laughs> Fucking Chinese theater! Oh my god! So I am, of course, incredibly excited to be here. Uh, Me and my mom were just uh, standing downstairs, just like looking at all the hand and footprints in the concrete. Funny thing is, the first time I came here, I came here in a, uh, you know, a funny Dr. Strangelove t shirt, and then we walked by a picture of Peter Sellers putting his handprints in the concrete. And it was like, oh my god! Uh, And that's. I mean, the moment it really hit me is when I was explaining to one of my teachers that I was going to be gone for a while, and she said, oh, okay, why? And I, and I say, oh, well, you see, I'm going to fly to Los Angeles to have my film shown at the Chinese theater.
0: <laughs>
2: um.
0: <laughs> this is yeah. incredible. I mean, not many people get to share their film at the Chinese theater. <laughs> yeah.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, I am hugely grateful to be here. Uh, also, everyone has been so nice. This is despite it being the biggest one, and in Hollywood where you would expect everyone to be more professional and, you know, care about you less, I guess. Uh, here, everyone has been so nice to me. Every, surprisingly, everyone knew who I was. Like, when I said, you know, oh, we're the filmmakers from Distortion, so I said, oh, it's Sam. Or when I said, I'm Sam Punto, so said, oh, it's the filmmakers from Distortion. Yeah. Uh, which really surprised me. Yeah, uh, yeah and I, it's really just great being here.
0: It must have been, I mean, your movie definitely made an impression on people then. Because how else would they know you if they didn't watch your film? Like, what the? And they just got, we need to know who this guy is.
2: Well, I mean, I'm sure part of it is just the uh, entire motto of the Dancing with Films, that they really do care about all the filmmakers. Sorry, I I have to really uh, pat them on the back here because they've just been so great. Uh, And, you know, I'd hate to, you know, assume that my film was just so amazing, but I I do like to think, at least. I like to believe that it did leave an impression and that it was at least, at the very least, if it wasn't the best film here, it was at least different yeah. from everything yeah, exactly. else. That it's, you know, at least not something that you would just lump together with the other films that are like this or like that. It's at least its own thing.
0: It's a very humble uh, approach to that versus uh, what uh, Hollywood's mostly known for, is self um Self promotion, <laughs> so but yeah, I'm very impressed by it. And uh, so the next one is on sixteen millimeter, right? Yes. And um, you haven't seen any of the footage uh, yet. Uh, do you ever want to go to thirty five? I asked your mom that, but I want to ask you that. Are you? Do you ever consider thirty five at all?
2: That is a really interesting question because for years I've been dreaming of going to thirty five. Uh, just because, again, I my, it's you know my personal taste here. I like finer grain. Uh, But then recently I was talking with some other filmmakers who were saying that 35, for various reasons, might not be best uh, for me. And so I've actually been thinking it over over the past few days. I think there are definitely, once I have the right budget for it, there are definitely some projects that I will shoot on 35. Again, assuming I ever get the budget for it. Um, Just because, again, I like to tailor the film I use and just the techniques I use in general to the story I'm telling. Yeah. So if it's a story that I think would benefit from 35, I'll use 35. The question for me is more what's going to become my standard film, so to say. Yeah. You know, 16 or one day when I have the budget for it, 35. It's
0: it's incredible that you think these things down. I mean, when I was your age, I was like, okay, let's go skateboard and do stupid things with a video camera. I'm like, we never considered this level. This is incredible. Like, um, I mean, I, you know, you're keeping this aesthetic alive and it's nice that you appreciate the aesthetic as well. Uh, would you ever upgrade the film camera? Like the 16 that you already guys already have? Is that something that you guys uh, are looking into getting a different one versus the BL 16? I'm not saying it's a bad camera i'm not saying it's a bad camera somebody else did the
2: hilarious thing is it's we just... were talking with a filmmaker just yesterday and uh, n- a um a professional cinematographer who is really great and we were talking to him we mentioned that uh we used the bl for uh this last project and he immediately just sighed looked at us and said i'm so sorry for you guys because <laughs> apparently you know he really hates that thing I thought it worked fine. No. Um. You,
0: you know what you don't know. You know, you don't know what you don't know. That's the thing. <laughs> I mean, And if it works fine, that's what I shot on.
2: I mean, the thing is, it, it worked fine so far as I can tell. However, I will admit I only rarely had to carry it. And ah. when I when I did, I could feel why someone else might want a different camera. Uh, it is a little bit
0: awkward. Wait till you go to but... 35. Oh, <laughs> it's it's
2: uh, oh, I can only imagine. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, I definitely like this camera. We'll definitely, again, we'll have to see what's going to become possible, practical, and necessary to get for future projects.
0: It sounds like film, also like shooting on film for you seems like Very, very appropriate because of the way you compose your shots, like an Ozu frame where things happen within the frame itself rather than having too many camera moves. Like, you know, most people who shoot digital love to do unnecessary moves and stuff or dolly moves or whatever. You have a very... I, I mean, I, I keep coming back to a very mature mind when it comes to your framing. Is, is there anyone besides, like, Kubrick that that's kind of... Like, Wes Anderson sort of has that sort, similar, like, you know, proscenium, I guess, like for that. Is there anyone else that uh, you you find influencing?
2: I mean, uh, another one would, of course, be... Uh, I mean, I, I am in love with the movie Stalker from oh, yeah. Tarkovsky.
0: Tarkovsky, yeah.
2: Uh, I love a lot of Hitchcock movies. Uh, I mean, I, <laughs> I think it's in partly in part influenced by the fact that a lot of my favorite movies are uh, from a little, from, you know, quite a while ago, when, you know, that style of cut, 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 cut wasn't as popular. Yeah, we're the
0: music video generation.
2: Yeah, and to be honest, that all, it's always also this thing that it always frustrates me a little bit when there's an intense action scene. And instead of uh, a clever shot or even like a slow movement, the filmmakers decide to just, you know, take 30,000 different camera angles and then just cut 30 times every two seconds. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think the other reason why I love shots like that so much is because another one of my big inspirations is uh, Junji Ito and his comics where he also i mean comics in general with a few exceptions you'll find a lot of you know a single frame without much camera movement (laughs) um so and i think
0: that's the japanese aesthetic in general
2: yeah definitely and i I mean very common when it comes to horror movies i tend to like a lot of the uh more eastern ones again i think american horror movies tend to
0: try to shock
2: yeah Yeah, i think the problem is that a lot of if i can go on a little bit of a side tangent here um the i'm a big fan of horror but i think the problem with a lot of uh, western horror specifically american horror is that they're not trying to creep out the audience or actually leave them stunned they're trying to make something that will either a be a good sort of popcorn horror thing for you know like an action film well, yeah, for people to watch, wh- or for people to kind of be listening to while they make out in the back of their car, okay. <laughs> or it's meant to just be so gross or so bloody that yeah. it will hopefully make someone leave the theater, and then they can say, oh, gotcha. Yeah. Um it's,
0: but, it's painful to watch. Like, yeah. I mean, I've seen recently a few. That yeah. Are just like, I mean, there, there are two
2: people? types of movies that are painful to watch, those which are... You know, good painful and bad painful. Like the yeah. the Shining is arguably painful to watch,
0: <laughs> but you know, uh, maybe it's just because I'm a
2: masochist. But you know, I really enjoy the Shining. <laughs> no,
0: it's yeah, there's been yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a lot of lingering shots. Um, yeah, it's it's and I actually mean, the
2: the Shining is a great like, yeah. also example of how it has a lot of camera movements that I like. Like, I mean. I've said this many times, uh, but my favorite uh, type, one of my favorite types of shots, is wide angle um, mm. tracking, okay. especially if you're going backwards or forwards. Yeah. Uh, that's a tracking shot, Sam. Dummy. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, wide angle tracking shots, just because, like, out, especially when they're done very slowly, where you can just see slowly the edges of the frame distorting. And just warping. It just creates such oh, yeah. an ominous atmosphere yeah. that I love so
0: much. You may want to shoot anamorphic 35 at some point, because that you'll see the bowing of both sides moving. <laughs> but um, that being said, uh, you plan on going to film school?
2: Yes. As soon as I'm done with my uh, abitur, that's a German... Uh, now I can only think of the German word for it, which is Abschluss. Um, but I plan on going to a university. uh pro- yes, Yes. Uh, probably you know, somewhere like Munich or Berlin or uh, maybe Cologne, somewhere like that?
0: I don't know. I think you could teach them film techniques <laughs> more than they can. Trust well, me, I've been to film school. I've been to two. <laughs> and they don't have the... I, you guys are so advanced, man. I'm just blown away. <laughs> like, I'm so... I, I, I'm i so excited to see what you do next. Like, absolutely. Like, with with this film noir, right? Like, can you give us a hint about what it's about?
2: Well, it's definitely much different than my project so far. Because so far, I mean, one of my favorite styles, and this is actually something I get from video games, which, by the way, are a totally underrated form of storytelling, yeah. uh, is just that sort of style of storytelling where you have characters, but you don't explain where they're from, what <laughs> world they're living in, what their background is, and you just let them do stuff and let the audience figure out what's going on. This is That's this great. is this is a little bit different from that, but still has a lot of that atmosphere okay. where it's about these two. I'll try to not give anything away, but it's basically about these uh, this detective who catches this uh, spree killer who killed uh, a bunch of people one night. They catch him the next morning. They know he did. They have they have his fingerprints everywhere. Eyewitnesses. What they don't have is a motive. So they know that they kill that he killed these people, but there are no records of him. He doesn't even there's they have no name for him. He just so cool. seemingly has no identity, no motivation. And then this and it's about this detective who's, you know, one of these really obsessive types, and he just can't let go of the fact that he doesn't have a motivation for this killer. So he brings in a couple of his friends and tries his best uh to try and figure out why this guy would just for seemingly no reason kill these people and it sort of slowly drives him insane that he can't find an answer
0: whoa so <laughs> it it consumes him like this idea the killer though he catches him consumes him psychologically
2: right and i mean they he catches the killer before the movie even starts the movie starts with yeah. them having already caught him yeah. And that's incredible.
0: We all... <laughs> I'm gonna steal your idea. No. <laughs> I'm gonna make no, the American version of that. <laughs> Wait a minute. But uh you no. You guys we... are making the American version. <laughs> yeah. I'll make we... the German version.
2: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, um, wow, that's We that's also incredible. tried to use film language by like in the first few shots, you know, we shoot the killer, we film the killer, we don't shoot the killer yeah. uh yeah. from like higher angles so he looks more powerless and you get this idea mm. that the detectives are the ones in charge, you know, they've caught him. It's like, yeah, you know, the him. ending yeah. of most uh, film noir, yeah. or at least but most upbeat begins. film noir. Yeah. But then over time, the uh, camera moves to, like, under the eye level of the serial killer. We see also the camera tilting when looking at the detective. Lights becoming, like, almost, like, so intense that they're painful to watch. Mm. Just sort of, sh- you know, so- show the de- head detective's slow descent into madness.
0: God, I love it. Wow, that's impressive. So, um, who plays a detective?
2: Uh, this guy who I've never worked with before, but who is really a great actor, Jeff Book. Okay. Uh, he has done a lot of theater stuff, uh, a music video, and some film stuff, okay. uh, and he's really a great actor. He, we gave him the nickname One Take Jeff on set, <laughs> um, but I mean, even though... Sorry, you know, just to bring it back to film, even though, you know, we use that mainly to comment on his acting ability, yeah. it's also just a good description of how I try to work with film. Because, I mean, one thing that I said on set and that I keep quoting myself on is that with digital, you do a rehearsal and then you do a couple takes to see which one is best. Yeah. On analog film, you do a couple rehearsals and then one take, maybe two if it really went badly. Yeah. Um, And so we just tried to always rehearse, rehearse, rehearse until it was perfect and then do it. So we went to 127 takes. We do 127 rehearsals and and then one good take.
0: Do you want to make American movies here in America, studio, any of that?
2: That is a very good question. Uh, I have really no idea where I want to sort of work as a filmmaker one day. Uh, I think it's going to depend on how things go. Because, I mean, by the time I am at the age where I would move where I would potentially move to America. I have no idea what will have happened in the film industry. You know, what hot spots there will be of movie production. Good point. What other things, like even outside of the film industry, what other things might influence the choice. Uh, let's just say that if the American healthcare system doesn't get a lot better, I might be tempted to say in Germany. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I can't really give a good answer on that because I'm just sort of waiting to see also what potentially opportunities might arise in other places.
0: Sam, I'm just so impressed, man. I, <laughs> I had to, I was telling your mom, I had to come out here and meet you. Cause I was, man, that movie. <laughs> it's so good. And I can't believe I, I, again, I repeat it over and over again. I can't believe you're this young and making movies like that. I have, I mean, I'm going to see you on the screen. I just, I've never actually said that to anyone. <laughs> I, you have the, whatever it is, that's, that visually storytelling and everything. I'm impressed, man.
2: Oh, I'm blushing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this guy, this kid's all right. <laughs> no, I, I just enjoy talking to you about film too because just you know, I'm I, getting educated here.
2: I just love talking about uh, films. I mean, obviously, my specialty isn't in the technical stuff. It's more in the storytelling. But uh, I, I like... I think my job... I, I You know, I say... My job as a director, especially an amateur director who doesn't have a lot of experience in fields, you know, outside of exactly what I've been doing, isn't, you know, my job is to essentially take the people who really know what they're doing, give them a goal that they need to reach, and then keep them, make sure that they stay on track, but otherwise let them do their thing. Like, for example, mawan uh, the director of photography, he really knows his shit when it comes to analog photography. Yeah. And so I basically tell him, this is what we're trying to express. This is my idea for how to express it. Does that sound good to you? Or do you think there's another uh, way that it could be done better? And then I just, you know, try to make sure everything stays pointed in a direction. And that's, that's my other job. So aside from giving people a goal, making sure all the different elements work together. So making, letting the actors act, but in conjunction with the a cameraman who's also working, and the sound department, and everyone
0: else. Yeah, that's, um, again, very impressed. Like uh, uh, The fact that you already know that sort of uh, delineation of power, that's important.
2: I mean, what what I always say is, it's not the conductor's job to play the violin.
0: <laughs> and your mom happens to play the yeah. violin. So this could be a met- uh, an analogy from your mom's side of the art world. Right. You guys are just one big filmmaking family. This is incredible. <laughs> Did your brother uh, help you guys out at all?
2: Well, if you watch the movie, you know, I play the character that gets shoved over, and my brother is the one who plays the guy who shoves me. So <laughs> he was, And he was looking forward to that all day, by the way. All day, he was saying, I can't wait to shove Sam. That's going to be so fun. Yeah. Does
0: it help uh, that he has, like, dead eyes and kind of creepy?
2: He actually... I'm telling you, he's the cutest person on earth. He, like, those eyes that look so dead there yeah. are actually normally, like, just so, again, cute. He's got, the, like, you know, he's the total definition of the very kind younger brother. Like, mm-hmm. what honestly melted my heart is right before we left, he told me that, like, how proud he is to be my brother. Aww. And I was just like... <laughs>
0: Oh my God, God, my sisters don't tell me that. (laughs) They tell it to everybody else.
2: Um, Oh, oh, trust me, normally we say nothing else, but I'm going to kill you if you don't give me that macaroni. Yeah.
0: (laughs) What happened to the German stoicism? You know, like, you can't tell each other you love them and all this stuff. But uh, no, I, man, okay, I got to see this next project soon. Like, uh, when are you guys planning on getting it done? I know that's a loaded question. (laughs) There's uh, no, there's no, there's no date, right? uh,
2: <laughs>
0: That is a very good question. Everybody asks me about my own stuff. I'm like, I don't know.
2: Uh, I mean, we're thinking, I mean, it's really tough to say. We don't even know exactly, we know roughly, but not exactly when we're going to be filming the second half of the stuff we need to film. After that, there's editing, which is going to like take a millennium to do, as always, considering that, that it's just me and my mom editing this how many, movie.
0: How many more days do you have?
2: Uh, what do you mean? For shooting. Very, very good question. <laughs> <laughs> okay, perfect. We, we basically, we know what we have to shoot, we know how long it's how going I to take. <laughs> we know what we have to film, we know what has, how long each scene is going to take to film roughly, but we don't know when we're actually going to film them. So there are a couple, we've been looking at various options, we haven't quite decided yet, The funny thing is, we were going to sit down and decide on the day that we got the email from this festival saying, hey, get ready to come to Los Angeles. So, you know, all other planning got put aside in favor of that. But yeah, we're definitely going to have to think about that. If I were to, if I were forced to throw a dart, I'd say somewhere around like winter, maybe a little bit like maybe at the beginning of spring. I have no idea. Keep
0: you inside. So all you can do is edit and go crazy. (laughs) You know, certain like a certain guy we know, like Jack Torrance. A certain Jack Torrance we know. could be sitting there hammering out on a,
2: you know. All know. work that is play makes Sam an uninteresting boy.
0: Perfect, perfect <laughs> way to end this. Thank you so much, Sam. Congratulations again.
2: Thank you so much for having um, me uh, here.
0: Yeah, on the, the, we, all we talk about is film, so. Right. So thank you. Thank you very much.
2: Thank you so much for having me yeah.
0: here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that is Sam Punta and Charles Schiller, and they were at the, uh, Dances with Film Festival, and, uh, we'll talk to you later. Thanks. Bye.